Welcome to the Gay Buddhist Forum, where teachers from all schools of Buddhism offer their perspectives on the Dharma and its application in modern times, especially for LGBTQI audiences. These talks are offered freely to the world and made possible by appreciative listeners. If you would like to support our efforts to share the Dharma with underserved audiences, please visit gaybuddhist.org. There you can donate, find a list of upcoming speakers, or enjoy many hundreds of these recorded talks dating back to 1996. Again, it's our um, custom to go around and introduce ourselves before we hear from the speakers. I always like to suggest that you take a mindful moment to absorb the name you just heard before you brush on to them. I'm Joseph. My name is Patrick. I'm George. Cass. Peter. Gary. Mark. Peter. I'm Michael. I'm Ed Aim. My name is Ray Dyer. I'm Clint Snyder. I'm Mark. My name is Jeff. My name is Jerry Jones. I'm Jim. Eric. My name is Roy. My name is Jerry. George. Mike. Mark Garrett. Marvel. I'm Jack. Robert. Alex. My name is Roger. I'm Zach. My name is Daniel. My name is Eric. Orin. <coughs> David Lewis. I'm Bill Yates. I'm Bill Weber. Do you miss anybody? Back room. Sean. My name is Harley. My name is Kurt. My name is Casey. I'm Sean. My name is Waldo. I'm Jim Stewart. My name is Tage. Conrad. Bill Weber. Bill Weber is a senior Vipassana practitioner and a graduate from Spirit Rock's Community Dharma Leader Program. He teaches beginning meditation classes and day longs. He has studied for the past 10 years with Eugene Cash, among others, and has 15 years of extensive retreat practice. He is also a documentary filmmaker and video editor and recently completed a Excellent documentary about the AIDS era called We Were Here, We Were There. We Were Here. Here. Bill, welcome. Thank you. Mm. Good morning, everybody. A couple of quick things. I was riding my bike down here today and I was reminded again that I live in a gay neighborhood. Just I live at the top of 18th Street and just flying down the hill. And there are all these different little factions of queers all over the place. It's really beautiful to see. And it, you know, we live in this sort of unreal world because most of the world isn't quite like this. But I was very appreciative to have um, a gay neighborhood. And I was thinking, I'm going to go talk to a bunch of gay men. This is, this is a good thing. 
And last weekend, briefly too, I was lucky enough to be in New York and some friends of mine that had been together for 22 years got married on Staten Island. And it was really beautiful. It was um, very touching. And I, I just remember sort of, I think we're all here about of a certain age and we've all been through a lot of gay history together. And it's really something to see, to watch the, the, the growth, the progress, the the acceptance or whatever that goes on. To watch this judge in Staten Island marry my friends, this lovely woman, it was, it was, it was really beautiful. And to see all the other sort of average people, I mean, I say average, but it was like there's a fireman in front of us that was getting married, and you know, it's, just, it's, a, it's cool. I mean, I, I really, it, it, it makes me happy. I want to start today with just a quick story, too. I'm, my um, partner is a bit of a, of a show tune queen, and recently, recently got the Book of Mormon and has been listening to it a lot and been listening to the Book of Mormon in the house. And it made me realize that I don't know much about the Mormon faith, but without being too disparaging... <laughs> it's a little wacky. Um, that the Garden of Eden was in Jackson, Missouri. <laughs> that, you know, that God spoke to somebody in upstate New York and gave him sort of these, this New Testament on gold tablets. And, and it just sort of made me think about where do we, where do we put our faith? Where, where do we say, this is, this is something I can trust in. This is something that answers questions for me. This is something that sort of can help guide me through my life. And there's so many different options out there, the Mormon faith being one of them, being a very popular one. It seems to me like the two most intelligent people in the Republican Party running for president right now are both Mormons. Um, and, you know, which isn't saying a whole lot right there. Um, here I'm being disparaging again. Um, but, and, and this morning in the paper, there's this thing about in Afghanistan, these two young 17 year olds might be murdered because they fell in love with each other and the town is crying adultery and it's based on their faith. It's based on where they put their faith, where they put their trust, where they put their sort of allegiance or whatever. And I was thinking how lucky we are to have this path. Um, I certainly consider us myself lucky and, and the rest of us to have this path that really doesn't dictate to us what to do um, isn't um, isn't based on a virgin birth, or uh, although it ha it has plenty of its own myths that that are associated with it, um, and stories, and and that many people hold as being um, fact, um, and I you know I have no idea either way or the other, but I just I really appreciate the gist <clears throat> of this practice and this faith, and for me it's really based on a couple of deep truths that I feel that I'm not only taking a blind faith in, but that I see and experience with my own life. And some of those deep truths, the deepest of which probably is that is the truth of impermanence. That this all, all of this is constantly changing. Um, that things arise and they fall away. I was sitting here thinking, um, during the meditation that I started coming to GBF probably 17 years ago, I think. And there's, there's a few of you that I recognized from back then. And 
I was thinking of all the permutations that GBF took over those 17 years. It continually arose and fell away, and arose and fell away, and again and again, and the people within it, and the gist, and where it met, and, and how much energy there was, and how much excitement, or how much despair. It, it, it's constantly changing, this group. Another one of the truths, of the deep truths around this, is that in this world that's constantly changing, there's not really much of a place to settle and say, oh my God, this is it, I'm here, I can rest for a while, um, it's over, this is, you know, um, I've arrived. Um, where the, the, the arrival really comes when, it, when, when there's a complete letting go and saying, it's all changing, it's all moving. It reminds me of a Joseph Goldstein quote that the Buddhist practice is like jumping out of an airplane without a parachute. Um, and it's very freaky until you really realize that there's no ground. And, and that, uh, you know, so you don't have to worry about, you know, crashing. But it, it takes a lot of faith and, um, and uh, a deep, deep letting go to, to get there. And I, you know, it's part of what I want to talk about today. And, but what I really want to talk about today is suffering. Um, it's the foundation of this practice, and it, it's tied deeply into the fact that nothing is permanent, that there's nowhere to really rest, um, and that we, we sit and live in a world where we watch everything arise and pass away. And I wanted to talk about suffering Roy wrote me an email last week and said I wanted to announce to the group what, what, um, what you'd like to speak about. And I wrote him three lines, and he left out the middle line. Um, and the first line was that the, the Buddha said, I teach one thing and one thing only, and that's um, suffering and the, the promise or the release of the freedom from suffering. Um, my next line was that this year I have found that I have been suffering a lot. There's been a lot of discontentment in my life. Um, I haven't felt that at ease. Um, and it's been a bit perplexing to me because it's been a beautiful year in many ways and I don't have great hardships like so many people um, all over the globe have. I have a wonderful partner, a nice job. I have a film that's very successful that touches people in, in their heart. Um, and yet at the same time, it's like something's not right. I don't feel at ease. I wake up and I'm unhappy. I wake up and there's a certain level of tension and stress in my life. It's like, what is this? What is this about? So part of what I, why I wanted to talk today is I wanted to share this with you, but I also wanted to open it up to hear others. But then I also wanted to do do a practice with the group, in front of the group and with the group, of how can we apply the Buddhist teachings of freedom from suffering to what I'm calling my discontent or our or anybody else's discontent. 
and just to look at it and see, you know, can we can can these can this practice have a practical application in our life? Which I <clears throat> I, I know from experience it can. So, the Four Noble Truths. Um, unless you're really new to Buddhism, I'm sure you've heard of these many times. And all the different sects of Buddhism and all the different schools, it's really at the core of all of them, the Four Noble Truths, that there is suffering, that there's causes of suffering, that there's the promise of release of suffering, and that there's a path that, that supports us in this release of suffering. The first noble truth that there is suffering, and it's it's really an acknowledgement that I am I am feeling ill at ease. I am feeling some discontent. Um, for me, this year, one of the biggest issues that I've been grappling with is aging. I I feel it a lot. Um, I'm 58. Um, probably somewhere in the middle in the room. Um, and I've been surprised at how much I'm attached to not aging. Um, no, it's just, I, I, don't, I don't like it. I mean, I look at my skin, I look at my hands, I feel my legs, my body, my face. Um, it's, it's, it's all changing. Um, and I also realize it's not coming back. Although my film, my film partner and I were in L.A. for a film screening last week, and we were like, let's go out and get work done. <laughs> I said, I want new lips. <laughs> um, you know, I joke about it, but it's, it's been, it's been a, a, a real cause of suffering for me. I, I've, I've really been hurting over it. I realize that I fall for the popular image of a gay man looks a certain way, that you're more desirable if you look a certain way. Um, I think one of the biggest issues for me is that my partner is a lot younger than I am, and I'm really afraid that he's going to wake up and say, oh my God, when did I marry an old man, and, um, and not find me attractive anymore. And it, it really hurts. It, it really... Um, it doesn't sit comfortably with me. That's one of my main issues around my suffering. The, the other one is my, I, I live in a fear of the future a lot of times, and the aging plays in big into that. But when I pay attention, when I wake up in the morning, so often I'm worried about what I have to do that day. And I'm already projecting myself into the next step or two or three of my day, you know, whether it be, how am I going to get to work, and I'm, 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 I'm behind on this part of my job, and then what am I going to do for dinner, and it's just, it's all this stuff that just, it's like this level of discontent that sort of flows through it sometimes, and it, whereas, you know, there's a possibility I could just sort of wake up and say, mm, the bed's really comfortable, you know, um, I'm alive, I'm in this body, um, there's a beautiful sun outside. You know, there's a beautiful mist on the hill. Whatever it is, just stop and just sort of say, "Oh, this is this is this is here. This is present. This is this is cool. I'm I'm someplace else, and it's not so 
comfortable. Well, that's some of... What I would really like to do also is to not have me be the sole person that's applying the Four Noble Truths to my suffering. And I would really like to open it up to two or three others that they would care to share some of their struggles. And all, all that I really ask is that if you keep it um, true to your heart um, and in the, in the um, respect of time to not you know, go on too long about it and um, to be willing to then look at it through the other paths, through the other aspects of the Four Noble Truths. So if anybody else would like to share things that they might be struggling with, um, I appreciate it. Clint. Yeah, I, actually, my, my own life, I'm, I'm very happy with. I'm in, I'm in a good place. It took me a long time to get in this good place. But uh, so I live in this little bubble, like we all do in the Bay Area. Uh, where, at least for me, I see it as a bubble of a lot more enlightened thinking than the rest of this country. I go outside and I see, that bubble and I see just insanity. I see values that I don't share at all. Uh, I, I see, uh, you know, that were run by politics, that politics were run by, by people who are horribly misguided, not very intelligent, and coming from a very bad place. And, I, and I'm full of despair. I haven't gotten beyond the, that point. I haven't gotten to how you get rid of the suffering. Right, uh, right, right. As long as I keep my focus on my life in this little bubble here, I'm okay. But as soon as I think outside, I look at the news, I, I have no optimism. I think this country is going down the toilet fast. I don't think anything is going to stop that from happening now. So you're dealing with a lot of despair. It sounds yeah, like but you know, the, the irony is, I'm, I'm three years older than you. I don't mind being that, being that age because hopefully, hopefully before everything is completely falls apart, I'll be dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, thank you. But, but, no, 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 what, what, what I really hear is a despair, is that the, the country's going down, that the world's going down, and that, you know, we live in this bubble, but... Yeah, uh, I, I, years ago, I had planned for this to be the year of my retirement, and there's no way I'm going to leave my steady paycheck with, with the insanity and the chaos that's going on in this country. Right, right. So I'm going to keep on working. I'm very grateful to have a job. At the same time, I'm, I'm really disappointed that I can't go on to the next phase of my life. Right. Uh, but it's just very frustrating because we're, we're run by madmen. Uh, extreme ideological insanity is money in this country. Right. Have I made my point sufficient? I think so. <laughs> I think so. And I've known you for a long time, Clint, so I've known the point too a little bit. But no, and I appreciate it. And, and, and this is, uh, let's look at that. Let's look at that in a little bit later. Um, anybody else? Eric. Um. What's up for me right now is um, an immediate loss. Um, mm. My partner and I lost our pet um, two days ago. And um, for me, it's um, the suffering of wanting things to be different than they are. Mm. Um, and the reliving of, of a lot of loss. That comes up for me, um, an attachment, you know, to um, people that I've lost, um, and wanting things to be different than they are, and just wanting to find um, 
the acceptance. And we talked about it a little last night, but also wanting to honor um, the process of grieving mm. in that, and to have that be part of, um, I guess, just an element in, mm. in suffering, but to just see how that um, integrates. But there's just a lot of um, dealing with loss. Right. right. It comes up in times like this. Right. Well, thank you for being, for your willingness to um, speak about that when it's when it's so um, immediate right now. Um, maybe one more, please. My name's Gary. Hi, Gary. Um, the thing that's uh, uh, sort of, um, I feel like I need to start paying some more attention to is that uh, as I'm going through the aging process, there will be new things that will come up that uh, I've not experienced before in my body um, that have a tendency to kind of make me um, think, oh, this is it, you know, this is the end, it's coming right now. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> so far, that's not happened. You know, but it's something I need to deal with because clearly it's going to be continuing to happen, and I need to be able to hold it in such a way that um, it's not going to be um, uh, you know, disrupting to my you know my serenity, my mm. my general my general life. Mm. So um, I think that's the that's the one that's that's there for me right now. So is is there some fear? It sounds like, is there fear, it uh, sounds uh, like, or? Well, um, it's more like my, my you know, I have a, like, a, I'll just give you an example. I've been having some of these uh, kind of floaters in my eye, right. and then a kind of a little bit of a flashing. And uh, I've never had that flashing before. I've had the floaters before, but I've never had that little flashing. Um, you know, I called Kaiser, they said it was okay, I had an appointment, I'm going to go in on Monday, so I've done everything I need to do about it. Right. You know, but now I need to kind of live with this whole new thing and the feelings that come up. Panic, fear, you know, do I need to limit what I'm doing? Right, right, do I need right. to be more careful? Is there changes? Are there changes I need to make? Right. You know, all those things that go through your, your brain. Right. Um, um, yeah. Right. So there's a lot of unknown, um, a lot of uncertainty, right, right? and some unsettledness that comes with all that. Thank you all. Um, I'm hoping that this also touches, I I would be very surprised if there was somebody in the room that didn't say that they were grappling with something, and grappling something that is is difficult, and... um, unsettling in some ways. It's the first noble truth is really this acknowledgement. Um, I'm not feeling so good. Um, this is not so comfortable. Um, there's some level of dis-ease occurring. So, second noble truth. Well, the first one's really sort of acknowledgement. The second one is really sort of... Um, to, to, to go into it, 
which is what's sort of radical about this path, is that I think as a culture, the response to suffering is to move away from it. But what this practice offers us is to go into it and to look at it and to understand it. Um, and to say, okay, what's what's causing this? What's 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 really the root cause of this suffering? And some of you have already spoken about that. You know you, what what you're seeing, um, and you know sometimes it can be um, a speculation or it can be something that we've, we've we've learned. But to really go in and experience what what is causing the suffering, um, Clint, what's causing your suffering? The crazy world? That sounds almost silly. I mean, the world is well, always crazy. What is causing it? But, but, but so we entered an era where an ideology and a way of seeing things that I profoundly disagree with is that, running this country right. and controlling how, how you know how, how we live in this country. Right. So you wouldn't be suffering so much if we were run by intelligent people. That's, that's true. <laughs> intelligent people wouldn't have a spine. <laughs> so, you're sort of relegated to a life of suffering for a long time. <laughs> um, <laughs> Seriously. We make a joke, but, but you know, I think about this too. I think, what? This is, you're looking for some paradise on earth that's not going to happen. Yeah. And, and, yeah. But, but it's kind of like there's like an addictive quality to it. Just, it's like when you have a bad shoot, you keep push, poking it to see if it still hurts. And of course, Right, right, right. Yeah, and yeah, and right now there's a lot of rotten teeth out there. In the, yeah. yeah. So, do you see any of any anything within there that is more personal on how you relate to this suffering? And again, in the interest of time, just sort of. Well, okay. I mean, like I said, I'm actually very happy in my personal life. I've probably been best space personally than I've ever been in my life. And and what and what's bringing that about? Years and years and years of work on myself. Right. Uh, all the therapy, all the, the, the spiritual paths, the mushrooms on Mount Tan. Right, you know, right, all, right. All, all the, all the, right. And, and there has been growth, I see it. Right. And with that could come some level of acceptance, maybe? Think about it. We'll I'll come back. Because that's getting into the third noble truth now. I just, real quickly, no. I, I can't, and, and that might be the sort of, I, I just can't be at ease with what's going on out, out the world. It just drives me crazy, and that, that feeling of being driven crazy just never gets lower. It just gets stronger. Right. So I'm, I'm going I'm to come back I, to that. I'm torturing myself, obviously. Right, right, right. Right. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. The trick is, can you be at ease with that? Okay, I, I don't know that, but again, I'll just say real quickly. This is real. I talk about this with my therapist and stuff. There's part of me that thinks I should feel this this suffering. That that if you don't feel the suffering, you're becoming like a real complacent, you know, jerk. Right. That, that you have a right to feel outraged and this is right. wrong and I'm very upset by what's happening. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Like you say, you, you've been making some progress, and that we'll come back to that more later too. Um, Eric, you already talked about 
a lot about the second noble truth that you saw, that um, you saw some attachment um, and you saw some aversion to what you're feeling. Do you want to... Would you like to speak about that anymore? Or, I mean, you suffered... You suffered a great loss. Somebody that you loved dearly. I mean, I saw that over a very long period of time. And you mentioned that it also brought up other loss. That that, it, it, that this loss can be a bigger, a bigger mirror into lots of loss. This life of loss, in a lot of ways. Um, are you finding some peace or some clarity in the midst of this? Or. Um. <clears throat> well, the suffering feels like it comes up for me in not wanting to accept things the way that they are and where they're at, wanting them to be different. Right. Um, some of the release for me is just um, allowing myself the space to um, to be in the loss and just express it mm -hmm. without. Um, judging myself too mm. much for it. Mm. Right. But um, just looking at the attachment. Right. Right. And you know, and I think thrown into it is other things happening in my life. I think that you touched on that are going on for you in terms of the reality of aging and impermanence and right. you know, um, Right. This is this is the second noble truth. This um, that the suffering occurs, and that our reaction to it is one of um, wanting it to be something else, wanting not wanting it to be the way it is. It's like um, we don't like what we we have. Or, or we really strongly desire something that we don't have. Um, and it's this sense of desire. I had one teacher call it thirst. It's this, like we're the person out in the desert that is constantly thir thirsty. And we're, we're like crawling around looking for something different than what, what is going on for us at any, any given moment. Does this ring a bell for you at all? Or I'm, I'm sorry, your name was George? Okay. Um, Gary. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, you know, my the fear, I have a fear, I, it's interesting that I didn't really connect this, but I have a fear that the biggest fear is the stroke. That's right. my big fear, right. Right? which I didn't, it was kind of unconscious. And with that is the loss of uh, independence. That's my, that's my fear. Right, right, right. So, um, uh, and I'm, uh, you know, taking better care of myself, doing things to prevent those things better than I've ever done. So, again, I'm doing what I need to do kind of on that level and I'm constantly working on that. Um, but yes, I think that's it exactly. Uh, being willing to accept the fact that unusual things will continue right, right. to happen. Right. And being willing to just know that that's an okay part of... Um, my um, human development. Right, right. 
it takes a real. I want to be a human being. This is my goal. Yeah. <laughs> and so I need to realize this is part of being a human being is to be able to accept these um, strange things that are happening in my body that I'm not used to right. and not see them as a um, portent of my loss. Right. But to see that they are just part and parcel of my growth. Right, right. I was, I was thinking about that um, earlier, too, is that the, the fact that what, what makes us such a unique life form in a way is that we do have this ability to reflect and acknowledge and process and, and appreciate or whatever. And that's, it is sort of what makes us human beings, and that's what it sort of allows us to follow in this practice and allows us to have the bravery to hopefully approach the fact that we, too, arise and pass away. And it's, it's, it's really sort of a very scary process in a lot of ways. It's not... To really deeply acknowledge that is, is brave and bold. And, and, and it is being a human being. It's, it's, it's at our best nature in a lot of ways, I think. Um, yeah, I think we spend so much of our time trying to make our life right, whether, you know to keep ourselves from aging so much. I mean, I feel like I should be going to the gym more or should be on a better diet or all that stuff. And, you know, and, and some of it's probably not a bad idea just to sort of keep myself as vital as I can for as long as I can. But um, to, to, to really sort of gauge how much of my life is spent trying to make everything just right um, so that I will be happy, whereas the happiness really sort of comes from this really deep acknowledgement of this is the way things are right now. And sometimes they're really beautiful and sometimes they really suck. Um, can I come into really, can I, can I have some sort of alignment with, with w w whatever's in front of me? Um, and this, this gets into the third noble truth, that there, that there is a possibility of not being caught up in this continual search for something better, grasping for something that we want, pushing away something we don't want, and just sort of sitting in the midst of what we have, um, in the midst of your loss. Um, can there be some sort of, uh, which, I'm, which I'm already sensing, which is this balance <clears throat> of like, this really hurts, this really hurts. Um, and to consider the alternative, you know, do I not want to get a dog again? Do I not want to open my heart so much to something else again? You know, mm. your heart's, your heart, I, I mean, I know you, Eric, your heart is so loving and beautiful that of course it's really going to hurt when it, something like this happens. So, this freedom from our suffering that comes from this deep acknowledgement of of understanding, you know, sort of what's going on. Um, and Clint, it's like, you know, we live in a, in a wacky time, but there have been a lot of wacky times on the planet. It's probably wackier than <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want to argue any. I don't want to argue any of this, but it's it's really, is it interfering with you and your own sense of peace and and satisfaction? And that's something to really look at. How much do you want things to be different and how much is that really playing in? And how much can you really come into an alignment with the way things are? Um, one thing, I w when I was talking about Mormonism, 
I don't want to. All I'm all I'm trying to do right now is explain the noble truths as as I understand them and as I try to experience. And I don't think that I I'm not trying to be up here having the answers for everybody and all of our suffering. Although I do think the Four Noble Truths is a beautiful place to work at this from. Um, but when I was talking about Mormonism, there's so many different faiths out there that I really don't know what to believe sometimes. And I, I love this old story by um, about Ajahn Chah one time where there was, um, Ajahn Chah was this great Thai forest monk and there was, um, there were some uh, Christian missionaries in the village and they were telling people that Buddhism was uh, evil and the, the work of the devil. And these senior monks came into Ajahn Chah and they said, this is all going on in the village and this, this, these words are being spread. And Ajahn Chah said, you know, maybe they're right. <laughs> we, we don't know, but what we can really look at is what is my involvement with my suffering and what is my possibility of freedom from this in a way? Can I say that I can be in the midst of this and find some sort of serenity and peace of mind? Um, what time is it? 1140. 11.40. Um, there's a few things I briefly want to mention, and then I want to have another little chance to share here. But um, I always like the eight, the eight winds that the Buddha talks about, that's sort of the experience of our life that we all go through. And those are, they, they sort of counterbalance one another, and they're in, they're in uh, sets of two. Um, it's gain and loss, honor and disgrace, praise and blame, happiness and pain. I realized that for most of my life, I've certainly gravitated towards the gain, honor, praise, and happiness. Um, and I strive for those. And I desire those, which causes its own level of suffering. Um, and I have aversion to the loss, disgrace, blame, and pain, which come in equal measure with the other ones. Except, you know, I've been pretty successful. I busy myself so much. I really, I, I, I work so hard at not having loss. I'm, I'm deathly afraid of it, and, or of, of blame, or of pain, or of any of that, you know. But can there be some sort of balance in the midst of all this that just sort of comes to us, you know, from time to time on its own. And one thing I was thinking about when thinking about this talk was um, the phrase, to age gracefully. And it occurred to me that grace can be a really sort of a key term in the, in the Four Noble Truths. Um, the grace of having that balance of having that level of acceptance and allowance, which seems to be sort of inherent in the term grace. I remember a, a story of the boat people leaving Vietnam when there would be way too many people on a boat and the panic that would happen when they'd get out into a rough sea and the fact that if one person on the boat did not get caught up in the panic and had a sense of grace in the midst of this that he could save everybody on the boat. And that this happened again and again. Um, and I like to think of this in sort of two ways. One is the 
individual grace we have with ourselves? Can we have the grace to sit in the midst of, of deep loss, of, of aging, and, and the fear and the, and, the, and the health issues that come around that? Uh, can we have the grace to sit in the midst of um, very difficult political times and, and um, inhuman insanity that goes on around us? Can we, can, can we be the calm internally, the calm person in the boat that sort of, that can save Save, save ourselves or save whatever. And in the bigger picture, the, the, the gift that we offer the culture at large, that if we go out there and, and we aren't adding to the, um, to the craziness, that we, that we, that we again, are, are the graceful person in the boat that can sort of help steady the ship, um, that, that's a, a gift to our culture around us. Um, that you know that I had the possibility of, of being an example of somebody that ages gracefully, that accepts what comes my way. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I do. But that's it's just, it's, it's a nice thing to sort of consider, and it's the four noble truths sort of bring this into us. Um, and I've witnessed it before. I, I worked at the Zen Hospice for a, a number of years back in the nineties, and the towards the end of the AIDS epidemic and I, I saw 50 people die and, and I saw many people I saw many types of death but there's this one guy that came in that completely blew me away and he was just like there it was like this is what's happening I'm full of love and it, it blew me away so the grace that we offer around our suffering and the suffering that, that's caused around our our attachments and our desires and our wants and dislikes and all of that the grace to be in the middle of it and to see it to see our attachments our desires our dislikes and and to to connect with that person that that can see that that part of our human being that can look at that and reflect it that part of our human being that's pretty much untouched by it that that is the calm person in the boat in the midst of all of that And briefly, uh, the fourth noble truth, which um, is, uh, you know, months of Dharma talks within itself. The fourth noble truth is the Eightfold Path. Um, and I was also, when I was sitting here, I was thinking, a number of years ago, I got, I had the, um, the, the wheel, the eight wheel tattooed on my arm, and I did it sort of as a reminder to keep reminding myself that there is this path that really helps support us and gives us the foundation of which to see more clearly and to realize our attachments and to allow the possibility of that freedom from attachment to arise more naturally on its own. Um, and I was thinking, it's on my arm and I don't see it that much. I probably should have tattooed it on my forehead so that when I, you know, take a shower or shave, I, it's just like right there in front of me. Because it's, it's a big reminder, and I also think it's one reason I've been suffering so much myself this year, is that I have not been paying attention to this part of the path. And briefly, the Eightfold Path is sort of broken up into uh, three different sections. Um, and the first one is really sort of aligning ourselves with what is true aligning ourselves with the, the fact that things are impermanent. Um, 
it, the, the, the end, um, it's broken into two sections. Um, it's right understanding and right attitude, right intention. And this is sort of what we practice here together. This, this wisdom part of the Eightfold Path that really helps support us to, to really, again, remind ourselves that things are impermanent. Um, to remind ourselves that there are some truths that we can experience. Um, and to remind ourselves in a group to create a sangha that really helps develop and foster this wisdom that is innate within us. Um, the second section of the Eightfold Path is, is three different uh, parts. Right speech, right livelihood, and right action. Um, and to me, this is really sort of developing the ability to be unburdened, to not be carrying around a lot of baggage that we acquire by doing things that aren't really wise action, that, that can be harmful, that can be hurtful, that by, by saying things that could be harmful and hurtful, that by you know, doing things with our, with our livelihood that really don't, doesn't foster things that are, you know, that, that are, that are wise, that if, if we pay attention to this, we are less burdened. Um, we, we, things flow through us maybe a bit easier. And the last part of the four, of the, of the four noble truths is, um, it's really the practice phase of it. Um, it's broken into right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration. And this is really developing the, the ability to see clearly and to be present. Um, and I think these, I mean, the, the beautiful thing about the Eightfold Path is they, they, they all interweave with each other. There's not, there's not one thing that's more important than any other thing. And there's not, there's not a way you start one and you go to eight. They all interwork with each other. But I think for personally right now, the, this path of effort, mindfulness, and concentration are especially um, powerful for me because I find I'm very caught up in the computer age and I get constantly sidetracked by Googling or emails or, or um, dare I say, scruffing or something like that. I was thinking today if I would have spent more time on the cushion and less time on Scruff. Scruff is a social network site where you pick up men on, the, on your iPhone, if, for those of you who don't know. Um, you know, it's it's sort of where 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 you put your mind and, and how you develop your capacity of mind, um, um, the ability to, to stay calm, to stay focused, to see clearly, and that's really what this part of the path is about. So again, I'm I'm, I'm speaking of this very briefly, but this is really an integral part of our possibility to be more accepting and to suffer less. Um, this eightfold path, this 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 thing that we're practicing here by coming here and sitting in silence and paying attention and letting and watching the mind as it does what it does, um, and to to hear people speak or whatever, it's 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 all tied into this is this is the path that can really help foster so that maybe we we can live a life where we aren't so attached and where we aren't suffering so much. Um, I thank you three for um, uh, exploring this with me some. Uh, I, I was hoping to get back to you, but I would like to now, I think, to open it up to the group or, or you three also if you have any other comments. And I think we have a little bit of time left still. Sure.
Sure. Yeah. Jim. Yeah, I was recently talking to, uh, with an old school friend who's a, a single professional woman, and she reminded me of, of um, it seems to be a mantra among all the single women I know, that the package trauma is being old, sick, poor, and alone. There's no middle path, there's no gradual right. slope, it's straight to the park bench. Right. And, um, it, 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 you know, it moves me because it's a complete absence of, of confidence. I mean, it's, it's an eclipse of confidence. She's had a wonderful life. Right. The fact that this wonderfulness will just stop and she'll be punished. Um, it's sort of what she's buying into. And I, I, but anyway, it's, it's the prospect of, or the tendency to disasterize in the future, to suffer in advance for years. I mean, this is, I'm not saying I don't do this a lot. Right. But this is right. a huge thing, this, this future future trauma that we, we send our minds to. And right. that's, that's, the habit is discouraging. <laughs> it's, it's what led the Buddha to seek liberation. Mm-hmm. It was sickness, old age, and death. Mm-hmm. It's what he saw in the world that, was, that his father tried to hide from him that led him out to... Um, and it's a big one, and it, and it you know, there, it can be future fear and suffering, but it can also be very present fear and suffering that um, arises. That's why I think, you know, I want to be content. I really want to be content, no matter what. And I, you know, who knows? I, my my record isn't great. But uh, that's what I that's what I that's what I would like. Tom. I, I think a lot of my suffering comes from believing my thoughts. Right. My, my thoughts <laughs> are, are evil. You know, they really are. They're right. lies. Right. They're really stinking rotten lies. And well, uh, they're not, hurtful. Not all of them, I assume. Pretty much. Ninety nine point nine percent of them I say are just evil, hurtful worship. Yeah. They don't do me any good, they don't do anybody else any good. And um, I think that in in terms of contentment, in terms of being happy, what I'm seeking, what I'm going for is trying to be still. That because um, and not not listening to the thoughts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't really got there yet, but um, you know, those few seconds whenever I sit, you know, if I can just get like a few seconds of nothing happening, that's kind of nice, right? You know, and in terms of you know the political situation, when I I feel like I can be effective, I work with developmentally disabled adults, and we're getting fucked. Bad, you know, with right. this situation, right. and um, I feel that um, in terms of right action or getting a good idea, you know, coming out of stillness is really the most helpful thing. Right. Yeah. You know? I, I appreciate that, and you and you bring up, I think, a really good point in the fact that you know there there is. 
there's the possibility of liberation, and then what the Buddha taught was really full liberation. But what I also see is that, and, and full nirvana in a lot of ways, but what I also see is this momentary stuff that comes up that we learn to recognize after a while. These, these moments of quiet, um, yeah. when, when there isn't the turmoil, when there is a, when there is a, a spaciousness and an openness and, and a level of acceptance and allowance that can be really quite profound. And to, to recognize those and appreciate those. Because another thing I think that we do is that we, we get so attached to our suffering sometimes in a way that we also think it's permanent and solid. And, and sometimes our attachments almost make it permanent and solid. But like you say, in the midst of it, I'm like, oh, there's, there's stillness in the midst of this. Or there's a moment of happiness, or there's a moment of, of deep joy, or whatever that comes up in the, in the midst of the stuff that we hold to be very sort of solid in a way. So I, I thank you for bringing that up. And yeah, for all of us to look for that. It's like, oh yeah, it's, it's, it's not so solid. And, and there is, there is I, also, I also hold the spaciousness and this contentment within me. So. Yeah, I just want to thank you so much for teaching us today and uh, bringing up these issues that I'm sure affects all of us. Um, you know, when I think about the political situation and how we're all in despair, I think, well, it sure is better than if we were in the Crusades or uh, right, right. being the uh, victims in uh, Nazi Germany. But then I think, well, wait a minute, we all went through the AIDS crisis in San Francisco, so we really yeah. touched it. But then again, the whole thing about how things change, and they're always changing, and there's sadness and there's joy. Right. You're uh, talking about coming down 18th Street and seeing all the joy of, uh, you know, it reminds me of the blessings that we are in the tribe of San Francisco. Right, right, right. And that we can have uh, this gathering today, and then we can go to Dory Alley and take another edge <laughs> and have both of them, and it's okay. And yeah, yeah. Balance. Yeah, thank you. And that even in despair, we can find joy, and we have. And right. again, I want to acknowledge your uh, creativity and your dedication to documenting our lives yeah. from the Coquettes, from, which was another. Uh, uh, thing to we were here uh, that that just shows that we're so diverse and that things change and that we survive right. and that they're even in despair and suffering we can find joy and touch our hearts and move on yeah Th thank you and um, thank you for reminding this other beautiful antidote to our suffering is to reflect and rejoice in our blessings yeah and and the fact that we are we are a beautiful culture, and, and human beings are beautiful. But also as gay men, we're another another beautiful. Thank you. Just one little comment I've heard several times mentioned about San Francisco and being the bubble, and mm. and I realize there's a lot of people living out there in the world that also feel that way about themselves. And uh, right. out of my relatives in Lebanon, even in the Civil War, preferred to live there than to move to the United States where they thought it was cold and dispassionate and all that. So right, right. I think the fact that we're calling a bubble just because we're more aware of the rest of the world, but everybody, a lot of people are happy with their bubbles and we don't have to be apologetic about it. Yeah, yeah. No, so yeah. created I, with hard work. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. I, I've, been in, I've been in third world countries where I see kids that seem so much happier than the kids in America yeah. in some mm -hmm. ways. Yeah, so. Mm -hmm. Did you have your hand up? Do you still have your hand up? <laughs> um, I'm sharing probably equally but differently the loss of uh, our pet and 
I think what uh, comes up for me and why I remember why I end up here occasionally when I have over the past 10 years is that uh, I get reminded of some present time feeling um, very potently and in this case it's the loss of experience this weekend and, and I guess what comes up for me is how this suffering brings me to a very present state of mind and um, it has uh, and how it, just in general um, it has that potential you know to really bring you both to a place of great joy when you're flying down Castro Street on your 18th on your bike and, or um, you know grieving a lost animal or whatever it's just it's, it's profound that way and for me, not always apparent. Sure, it's right now. Mm. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. It is, it, suffering can wake you up. Mm-hmm. It's like you're, you're wide awake sometimes in the midst of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think all of us found that true in the AIDS epidemic. It woke a lot of people up in a really, really deep way. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, and I'm, I'm saying it in the past tense, and I want to be careful about that, but... We have time for more. Uh, about two minutes. I also want to thank you for your uh, talk this morning. Um, one of the things that comes up for me as I was reflecting on my own suffering is the liberation that has come from that. The willingness to be with my suffering and to go through it and to experience the liberation. And the liberation may include joy and it may not. Mm. You know? mm. But it, it's that feeling of freedom from the mind and freedom from this world, the world in front of our eyes. So I just wanted to add that to the mm. to the energy you know, that mm. um, to me that is one of the promises of uh, Practices, uh, Buddhist practices, is the um, liberation. Mm. Yeah, and and you also brought up expectations, which I think is a really good thing. We think that freedom might feel very joyous, but it might not. You know, we don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Eric, did you want to say something? Um, <clears throat> one of the things that I think in the last few days that just came up with the, you know. Um, was sitting, you know, um, in the silence, because our house is like really, you know, kind of quiet now, mm. um, and being with that, and I kind of turned off the ringing clock, I turned, I haven't watched television mm. in three days, um, haven't been on my computer, mm. um, there are so many ways that I see that um, I can distract myself from sitting with whatever I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and even in the pain, just being able to sit with it and honor it and not run to a distraction that's so available out there to kind of run away from myself. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. it's just a great reminder of just what this practice offers in, in just sitting. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, sitting in Sangha too with 
you know, I think we all experience really the same thing. The stories are different, but I think the human condition that we share is just, it's very powerful. And I thank everybody. Thank you. Do we have any announcements? <coughs> yes, uh, The 20th annual GDF retreat is going to be held September 16th, 17th, and 18th by Friday. And we have three spaces left open. So if you're really interested in seeing me at the break, there are the uh, half hour social work and the So it's sold out very quickly. So. Thank you once again, Bill, for your inspiring talk. We appreciate it. Um, our speaker next week will be Heather Sumber. Hi, uh, this is my preface about the newsletter mailing, which is today. Um, we have almost 400 paper copies that we send out. It's available on the website, but a lot of people, a lot of people depend on that or appreciate it very much. I think more than half, maybe two-thirds go to prisoners, but there's also a lot to go uh, a few in foreign countries and other people all over the country here who don't have the access to this wonderful group in the flesh that we do. And so it's, it's a real outreach that we do every other month. So if about a dozen of us can assemble after the, the meet and greet uh, period, to fold and staple and label and stamp and stuff in envelopes, it'd be really helpful. Can I see some hands just for commitment? Thank you. Uh, yeah. uh, once a month, uh, we do a dinner for the Larkin Street Youth Center. It's a, it's a shelter for young people. And um, we buy the food, have a menu, we create it for them. And the kids are great, they're really appreciative of it. And I, I had the effort. So uh, I'm looking for volunteers to kind of beef up the list again. It's kind of dwindled down. If you're interested in that, uh, you, know, you know, it doesn't have to be a commitment every time. If you're interested in sometimes, uh, just give me a call or just, you know, call on the outside. Claire, can you remind us what night you usually Oh, I'm sorry. It's, it's always the third Saturday of the month. And it's from around 2 o'clock to around 6.30 or 7 o'clock. Do you have a host? Hi, uh, my name is Roger. Uh, the host is actually Richard Azzolini, but I am channeling Richard because he uh, <laughs> had a last minute commitment. He could not be here. He baked some uh, ginger cookies and chocolate chip cookies, which look very good. And then there are some also some vegan cookies, which are labeled, and then um, some dates. So um, let's see, if you have tea, there's tea, please wash your cup out in the warm water. And uh, there is a sign-up list if you want to get on the email list, it's just to the right as you go out the door in the credenza. Um, I will be walking around with the Dharma Ball for a donation, suggested donation is five to eight dollars. And um, if you're interested in going out to lunch, often people meet at 12.30 at the door. Got it all. Anything so do you want to leave your center closing? Sure.
May whatever merit our practice here acquired today may be a benefit for all beings. May we share it gladly and freely with those we come in contact with and may it just emanate out. May all beings know freedom from suffering. May we and all beings realize and know, recognize freedom from suffering. May all beings be free. Thank you for listening to the Gay Buddhist Forum. If you would like to hear several new talks per month and be notified of upcoming speakers so you can participate live, please subscribe to this podcast, like us on Facebook, and join our mailing list by visiting gaybuddhist.org.